Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I'm about to play over the next two or three broadcasts a recording of Hayseed Stevens talking about how he had a goal back in 1997 to drill and find oil for Israel. And I'm going to play the audio of that DVD for the next several broadcasts. And if you turn off these broadcasts, you're going to be making a very big mistake. The reason I say that is because I think that we are real close to being to the position to where we're going to get the wells and go drill the oil wells in Israel. So let me tell you the brief story, then we'll go to Hayseed. Back in 1982, Hayseed Stevens, a part-time pastor, a full-time oil man out of Willow, Texas, just west of Fort Worth, was invited to go to Israel to meet the prime minister then, Menachem Begin. He said while he was over there, the Lord spoke to his heart and said the world's largest oil field is located at the southwest end of the Dead Sea. He came back, started a company, began gathering the money to go drill the well in Israel, but it didn't go too good until, according to him, Prophecy Club put him on a 10-city speaking tour in 1998 and blew life into his vision to find the oil in Israel. However, in 2003, he fell dead of a heart attack. His son took over the company, and things didn't go so well. In 2007, his former attorney called and asked me if I would be willing to start a new oil corporation to continue the vision to find oil in Israel. My exact response was, thanks, but no thanks. I've got plenty on my plate. I don't have anything to do with oil anyway, and I gave him a bunch of other excuses. I said, I'll pray about it, but probably not. So my get-out-of-the-problem prayer that night was, Lord, as you know, I don't have any extra $5,000 laying around. Start some oil corporation. So if you want me to do this, send the money. The next day, phone call comes in. Lady asks me to return a call. I call her back. Thank you for calling. The reason I ask you to call is because two nights ago, God woke me up in the middle of the night, told me to give you $30,000 to continue the vision to find oil in Israel. Well, what would you do? We took the money, <laughs> so we started Prophetic Oil. And it wasn't too long before I saw this is not the way to get the money. Nevertheless, I set up an 18-city speaking tour, and it was June 14th of 2008. I remember it specifically. I spoke in Amarillo that night, and I said, Lord, as you know, it's not going so good. We're spending $3,500 per city in advertising, not many people showing up, not many people getting saved. So I hope you're pleased what we're doing. Well, he spoke audibly to me that night. He said, Stan, I will give you the money to drill the well in Israel. Now, anytime I say that, I have to give you a disclaimer. That is, I cannot guarantee that we're ever going to get the money drilled for or hit oil in Israel. So we had started Prophetic Oil Company, and no, we're not offering stock at the moment, and I don't know that we're ever going to offer stock again. But again, I do believe that God was speaking to me when he said, Stan, we will give you the money to drill the well in Israel. Now, I say all of this. And I'm going to put Hayseed on so that you can hear the story from the master, the one that God first called to find oil in Israel. Because I personally believe that that guarantee, Stan, I will give you the money to drill the well in Israel, is not far off. And when it happens, we're going to go over and we're going to drill, and I believe we'll find oil in Israel. Again, this is not an offering to offer some kind of security. We're just talking Bible prophecy here. Now, here's what I'm going to do. This is over an hour long, and I'm going to cut it into two or three broadcasts, maybe four. And if you cut this one off, I think you're going to be making a big mistake. I really think that you should not only listen carefully, but on this one, 
you probably want to go to watchprophecyclub.com and get you signed up, whatever the registration is there. You probably want to not only listen, but you probably want to watch this one so that you can see those maps, because here very shortly we believe that Prophecy Club, Spirit of Prophecy Church, and, of course, Prophetic Oil are going to be going to Israel to drill. And I'll have to tell you all the story. So if you want to be following us, you're going to have to know the background on it so that you can follow us and understand what I'm talking about. So now let's go on over and listen to my good friend, Hayseed Stevens. It talks about how God created the earth. And in those in that day, he created something that prevented the 10,000 degree temperature heat from the center of the earth from burning up everything on the earth. There had to be a barrier to contain that heat. Just like there has to be a barrier to contain the heat in your engine. Right? What, 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 what contains it? What? Oil! Well, I'll be. And God in his wisdom created oil out of the methane, basically, and other properties that's coming out of that 10,000 degree heat and formed a barrier of oil that contained that 10,000 degree heat. And all what does oil do? It receives the heat, it holds the heat, and then it releases the heat slowly into what? The radiator, right? Right. Or or into the, the cooling system. And then God put a barrier of water around the barrier of oil. And then he put the mantle of the earth around the barrier of the water that's around the barrier of the oil that's holding the heat. It had to be so because in verse 11, it says... Tender plants begin to grow upon the earth. Tender vegetation. Now, how's tender vegetation going to grow in 10,000 degree temperature? It ain't. It can't. So, something had to be created. And we will go on and show you how that we know that we know that this is right. Now, look here. Genesis 13.10 says, Lot looked toward the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley, well watered everywhere. And I got princes with petroleum wells also. The whole section was like the Garden of Eden before Solomon and Gomorrah was destroyed. You say, well, how in the world do you, did you come to that conclusion? Well, in Genesis 14.10, we find that, that that valley was called the Valley of Sedim. And here's what I believe happened. I can't say this, but I, I believe it happened this way. And, and uh, it, since it don't say it, I can believe it did. And you can believe it didn't if you want to. That's <laughs> whatever you want. But I believe that, that Uncle Abe and Lot, was looking, and they were up in Hebron, and they were looking east over the whole valley that was well watered everywhere like the Garden of Eden with oil, lakes of oil on top of the surface. And Oabe said, look, we're kind of getting all too big. Our hands are arguing with one another. So you go to the right, and I'll go to the left. I think he was saying, Let, we'll divide this valley. and Because that's what made Abraham... And Lot so rich. They raised cattle and sold the cattle to the rich oil people in Sodom and Gomorrah and Zor and etc. Because Sodom and Gomorrah and Zor and Edmund and so they were the first oil boom towns of the world. And Jericho was the first oil trading capital of the world. You say, why Jericho? Because Jericho then as today still has seven oases. 
where fresh spring water is bubbling up in unlimited quantities. And all around Jericho is nothing except desert. So consequently, every camel train that came up from Egypt and North Africa to bring their goods over to Mesopotamia and over to the Far East and up in Gomer, they stopped in Jericho to water their camels, water themselves, and rest. And while they did, this is what the Valley of Sedim looked like with all the lakes of oil. And while they did, they went up here to Jericho. And when they got up there to Jericho, they... First of all, they had to dip up the oil. They had to quit sinning long enough to go out and dip up the oil and put in some containers to take it up toward Jericho. And they got up to Jericho. And uh, how many know those people over there are pretty good traders? (laughs) Pretty good traders. And you can notice here is the oil and here is the fine linen. And so oil in that day and time was as important to the world as it is today. You say, well, what did they use it for then? The same thing we use it for today. Heat, light, medicinal purposes. Uh, what waterproofed the ark? Pitch, and pitch is a derivative of a word called hamar. Hamar is a Hebrew word meaning crude oil. God told him to, inside and out. Guess what held the brick together on the Tower of Babel? Check it out. Pitch, slime, which is derivative of oil. Now, also, this won't be the first time that oil has saved and delivered Israel because there was a little bitty baby who was put in a basket and put in the river Nile. And it would have gone bloop, 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 except it was waterproofed with pitch, which is oil. Does Egypt have oil? You bet they do. Anyhow, the point I'm trying to make is it was important, as important then, and, and it did many other things. It was used to, to, to hold the uh, tiles together back then. And, and you up on Masada, up there where Herod built his temple, you can, you can see what they've uncovered up there. And they got the best of what the world had to offer. They didn't even, listen, they didn't even have to go traveling to, to trade for it. God even brought it to them. Now, here's, here's where this ties in. To Genesis 1.28, we talked about a while ago, about the vast natural resources. God gave that to them. Wouldn't you think if, the, if it was bubbling up in your backyard and, and all you had to do was just go out there and, and fill up uh, barrels and take it to market and sell it? Wouldn't you think that that was uh, uh, God giving it to you? Yes. Now, why does God want to give us all that we need? How many of us have said my God shall meet and supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And then, don't have enough faith to go drill an oil well. Or to go plant your wheat. Or go plant your maize. Or, or, or go start a new business or whatever it is, right? Oh, my God, ain't that big. Yes, he is. He is if your faith is... He, God is just as big as your faith. He's just as big as your faith. How, does, how do you get more faith? Oh, hey, see, lay hands on me that I have more faith. Forget it. I can't do that. Faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing the Word of God. It doesn't come from having hurt. Oh, I heard Hayseed the other day. I heard him four years ago. There's no need me coming back up there. I've already heard that. Faith doesn't come by having heard. It comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. So consequently, you've got to build up your faith to go 
do what God has called you and created you to do and gave you special abilities and talents. What if? What if God had given you a very special talent to be a great artist and you was afraid of what people would say about you if you didn't draw just exactly right and you never did pick up a paintbrush? Wouldn't that be a loss? That's what's wrong with the world today. It's full of people who are so filled with what peer pressure is going to say about them that they won't do what God told them to do because they can't figure out how it's going to be done. And God called me to drill this well. I said, God, you called the wrong man. I've never drilled a well internationally. I said, well, I guess I did one time. I drilled up there in Oklahoma. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm not an international oil driller, so he didn't call me to be an international oil driller. I didn't think. And I said, on top of that, God, 10,000 feet deep is as deep as I've ever drilled. I don't know how to drill a 30,000-foot well. Why would you call me? He says, because you don't know how to drill a 30,000-foot well. So therefore, you will have to totally depend upon me, and everybody in the world will know that a hayseed can't drill a 30,000-foot well in Israel, Texas. I mean, in Israel... world. (laughs) Are you with me? See, God wants to do things through us that's above us and things that we know we can't do so that he will get the honor, he will get the glory, and not us. So we must decrease and he must increase. Amen? So they got up there and and they were big heroes because here they come with the number one product and all that they wanted of it, the number one product in the whole world, oil. And how many know, old Stan, my dear, dear friend, was born, grew up, and raised an oil boom town. And if anybody can tell you, if how many in here has been around an oil boom town? Tulsa, Oklahoma City, uh, Middle of Odessa, Lafayette, Louisiana, many, many, many more. And and there's been some some good oil and gas found out. Here in Kansas, some fine wells here in Kansas. But the point I'm trying to make is that where you have great wealth and great leisure time, seem like you always have great sin. And yesterday's sin won't satisfy your desire today. When I started out drinking with the boys on the football team, I never drank before in my life until I was a freshman at Hardin-Simmons University. Some of you all know what kind of school that is. And the upperclassman carried me out as a freshman and said, Rookie, you're going to drink with us or we're not going to block for you. And then when you're a 145-pound quarterback, you need all the help you can get. <laughs> so I started drinking with them. And my goodness, I drank about a bottle and a half the first time, and I guarantee you what, I was mucho borracho. And I, I tell you what, they had to... Anyhow, they, they got me in, the, in my bed and everything. And, and next week we went out after the ball game and... I think I'd, I probably got in two, and I went to bed by myself. Before the season was over, I could drink a six-pack. Before the semester was over, I could drink a half a case. I was majoring in religious education. I would that you be hot or cold. Since you're neither, you make me sick in my stomach. I had read that. I knew that. I knew that was God. And I knew I couldn't get drunk on Saturday night and lead to singing at church on Sunday mornings. So I changed my major from religious education to physical education. I'm going to be a coach. Coaches drink. Uh, but anyhow, some of them, not all of them. 
there's a few great coaches, few great role models, but there's some out there that still hit the jug pretty good. And back then, there's a lot of them that did. But to make a long story short, what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah, they had great leisure time, they had great wealth, and they turned to the most horrible sins that you can think of to satisfy the selfish desires. So God will only put up with it for a while. Now this is what the Valley of Sedim looked like at that particular time. And underneath here is all the... For- oh, you can't see it over there. Anyhow, underneath there, you can see the formations that had the oil bearing, that was bearing the oil, and the oil was seeping up and forming those lakes. And then if you will go, I want you to look at that picture. Did you all ever remember going to church and hearing Revelation, I mean, Genesis, uh, the 19th chapter preached on, it rained down fire, brimstone, and sulfur out of heaven and destroyed the cities of the plains? Look at Genesis 19, 24, 25. 28, 29. The Lord exploded, rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, sulfur and flaming rock, filled with oil from the Lord out of the heavens. He overthrew, destroyed, and ended those cities by the great oil reserves exploding. And he, Abraham, looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley and saw and behold the smoke of the furnace. Now listen. He looked toward all the land of the valley and saw and behold, the smoke of the country went up like the smoke of a furnace out of a hole 60 kilometers long, 8 to 12 kilometers wide, and at the minimum 16,000 feet deep. We know that geologically now. It was proven in 92. When God ravaged and destroyed the cities of the plains of Sedim, he earnestly remembered Abraham and printed and fixed him in doubly on his mind. And he sent Lot out of the midst of the overflow when he overthrew the cities where Lot lived. Now, to me, that is very self-descriptive of. I believe with all my heart, and now then we know geologically, that there was a geological slip fault. And and so consequently, there's a pull-apart slip fault and and. The Jordanian side today slipped north 50 kilometers. The Israeli side slipped south and pulled pulled apart slightly. The fire of the bowels of the earth ignited those billions and billions of barrels of oil-saturated strata. It exploded with those trillion cubic foot of natural gas, and it blew tons and tons and thousands of tons of oil-saturated strata, thousands of feet in the air, and it rained back down fire, brimstone, and sulfur. Look here. Abram was up here on the mountain at Hebron. He looked down toward the plains where Solomon and Gomorrah were. They're not there no more, are they? They're gone. You see the fire down there? It was, does that look like a furnace? <laughs> and so when you have sand, uh, shale, dolomite, limestone, and all the other matrix of the earth down in this furnace-type container of earth, and you have sulfur that's there that's burning this oil and gas up to 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, everything is going to melt and flow together and turn into salt. Now, did you realize salt is a preservative? Did anybody ever kill any hogs and put that salt on those hams? And Oh, boy, I hope we go to eat that while. But... (laughs) 
But, but the point I'm trying to make is salt is a preservative. And God put a clamp on all of that oil. He put a clamp on it. And you can see the salt there. And you can see those layers underneath there. And those are, the, again, I'm going to repeat so y'all can get it in, your, in, your, in your, your spirit. Because when you see the ending of this, it's going to, you're going to know what kind of shape the United States of America, the home we love, is in as far as oil is concerned. Because everything in the world depends on oil. So that oil has trapped the four zones that produce 80% of all of the oil of the Middle East. Has trapped it under the under it for four thousand years, and just to, just to give you a little sneak preview, the, there is seven hundred and fifty billion barrels of oil in the Middle East. There's only something just a little bit over a trillion barrels in the Earth, the whole Earth that's been discovered that's recoverable. So that leaves two hundred and fifty billion barrels at somewhere else. But if you had all of the 250 billion barrels, but someone else had 750 barrels, who is going to set the market price? OPEC. Moving right along. Now remember now, this is salt. Now salt is plastic. In other words, if there's enough weight applied to it, it will squeeze. It will flow slowly, slowly, but it will flow like putty. Or, or clay that you squeeze. And, and that's what happened. How many, are there any farmers in here? Or anybody around farmers? Well, you know, if you don't have a cover crop on a slope, when it comes a torrential rain, you're going to get what? Erosion. Tons of erosion, right? Israel is a small country, as we all know. From the Mediterranean Sea up to its apex, or what I used to call when I first started going over the hogback, and they changed the, my vocabulary a little. But, but when it gets up there where Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Hebron, Beersheba is, it's 25 to 2,800 feet above sea level. And when the clouds come up off of the Mediterranean, they're filled with water, and they go up, 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 up. And when you go on the east side of the hogback, you go down to 1,300 feet below sea level, in 15 miles. Now, since Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, it destroyed all the vegetation on that side of the mountain. So when the heat from the Judean wilderness comes and <laughs> hits those clouds, you have the, some of the greatest thunderstorms in the world. I've been over there when I, I said, my goodness, October, November, December, January are the big four months for Israel in the rain. At the Feast of the Tabernacle, anybody ever been to the Feast of the Tabernacle? It's, it's the Feast of Sukkot. It, 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 it's really the, the only feast where God has commanded that Jew and Gentile go up to Jerusalem every year together. So, and I didn't know that. I found it out in 85 and hadn't missed since. Because I, I, I'm not, you know, I just want to do everything I can to be where God wants me to be. But the point I'm trying to make is every October... Their people will be going down and, and taking picnics down in the Dead Sea. And they'll be there just having a fun, just all the fun in the world. And all of a sudden, they'll hear something. And they'll look up. And here come a 20, 30-foot wall of water down this ravine that's been washed out over 4,000 years. And it'll have boulders that big. It'll have gravel. 
and and every year I, I think I'm not it's somewhere between 15 and 20 people every winter get killed because there's no clouds hardly ever hardly ever two inches rainfall whether the Dead Sea needs it or not. And one thing I want to share with you, since the day that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, up to that day it was a beautiful lush valley, well watered everywhere, full of all the lakes. And after that day, after that day, it has been called the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea for 4,000, all through the scriptures. The Dead Sea or the Salt Sea. What happens, here comes erosion. And erosion starts, had start pushing down on that salt. And that salt began to grow. And you can see how much, on the, on the right hand side over there, you can see up there at the top how it comes up. That's the great tectonic plate that God shifted and pulled apart. It starts down at the Victoria Lake in Tanzania and comes all the way up through Eastern Africa, all the way up through the Dead Sea, and it kind of makes a little fork and, 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 and part of it goes out the uh, Suez Canal, Gulf of Suez and Suez Canal, and the other goes right up the uh, Dead Sea, all the way up to uh, uh, Turkey, Armenia, and into the Caspian Sea, in which they have just discovered 250 billion barrels of oil. But they're landlocked, and they can't get it to market. Okay, that's another story that we could tell. But the point I'm trying to make, I want to show you what happened. Over 4,000 years, and where you see these little dotted lines there, it's all filled up in the south end of the Dead Sea. Because, as you all know, when, when uh, sedimentation is dumped into a lake or dumped to something like that, and you've got a water hose or you've got a river like the Jordan River flowing in from the uh, north end, as it is settling out, it is pushed south. I'm going to interrupt the broadcast right there. As you know, I make many broadcasts referring to a list of dreams, visions, audible voices, I believe, are from God, given to Dimitri Dudeman, Michael Boldea, Leslie Johnson, Henry Groover, Shane Warren, Terry Bennett, Marie Scalar, Augusto Perez, Doug Metzger, Bree Keaton, and more. Now, you can have your very own copy. It's called God's Warnings to America. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55 at prophecyclub.com. God's Warnings to America at prophecyclub.com. In my new book, Miss the Mark, I expose the nine deceptions the beast will use to deceive, if it were possible, even the very elect. Since Lucifer is only given three and a half years to rule the world, but given 6,000 years to prepare for it, is it possible he has set up a nine-point plan so well thought out, so cunning, will deceive all whose name is not written in the book of life? What would you do if you had to tell a person the most important thing in the world, but you knew they wouldn't believe you? What would you do? Would you tell them? I believe you would. But what is the most important thing in the world to tell a person? The answer is, don't take the mark of the beast, because those taking the mark do not get soul death, but eternal torment in hell. But how do you tell them? Give them miss the mark. It is designed to be given to anyone, even if they've never heard of the Bible, Jesus, even if they're in another religion. It takes them from a blank page to making sure they will never take the mark. It's thin and easy to read. One for 20, but don't do that. Instead, we make them available in lots of 10. 10 for 25, 20 for 40, 40 for 60. That's one for 20, but don't do that. 
10 for 25, 20 for 40, and 40 for 60 at prophecyclub.com. That's miss the mark. Don't take the mark of the beast. Prophecyclub.com. In 2017, God blessed me by helping me to memorize the book of Revelation just as a simple project. God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or 10 for 55 It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20. No, 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 don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55. Prophecyclub.com.